Welcome to S2 Underground, a freelance intelligence agency fighting terrorism, fake news, and political tyranny around the world. I'm the trouble star, punkin' instigator. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the Underground. So this is going to be a quick and dirty update uh, for the 24th of February, 2022, on the invasion of Ukraine. We are recording this at 0100 Juliet time, which is Eastern Standard Time, and uh, which is also the same as 0800 Bravo time, which is Ukraine's local time. As usual, most likely by the time this brief gets out, things will have changed very drastically, so... As always, take everything I'm about to say with a grain of salt because things could quite literally change in just a few minutes. So let's get right to it. I had planned to cover quite a lot of international events uh, that have occurred in the past 24 hours. We were right in the middle of actually finalizing a, a brief to push out um, because the invasion seemed quite imminent as it's already happening right now. Uh, so what I'm going to do is not really talk about what has happened. I'm going to talk about what is going to happen by the time most of you start watching this video. So um, by the morning of the 24th of February in the Eastern time zones, uh, we fully expect a lot of things to happen roughly around the same time. And that is really to, to do with the financial markets. Uh, right now we're already seeing speculative speculative. Uh, trading uh, not looking super good. So as one might expect, invasion occurs, markets crash, right? Uh, I don't know if it's going to be that magic C word, the crash. You know, I don't know if it's going to be uh, quantify or qualify as a crash, but I would expect markets to dip quite significantly. So pre-market trading has kind of indicated this already, uh, along with energy prices starting to skyrocket in various places around the world. So just remember that if you see a lot of people, uh, you know, spreading fear or, you know, the sky is falling types of rhetoric in the financial sector on Thursday morning, uh, just be advised this is to be expected. Uh, no, it's not good. Um, Russia openly declaring that they're invading another country and it's a full and total invasion. It's, you know, it's not a minor incursion. Uh, that's not good for markets, obviously. And, um, you know, it, it's going to be a kind of a... A very turbulent time with that regard. We're also seeing, as anyone with two brain cells can see, that cyber attacks will probably occur in various places around the world. Uh, we've already seen over the past week a lot of mysterious unknown actor cyber attacks occur in places like Germany and Ukraine and, you know, obviously Ukraine and other nations uh, around the world. Even here in the United States, we had Amazon Web Services go down, right, for no apparent reason. So, uh, stuff like that's probably going to happen. I don't know if it's going to be like extremely dire. Nobody really knows. Nobody can guess how bad this stuff's going to be. But um, I would venture a guess. This is just my gut feeling is that we're going to see a lot of cyber style events because uh, Vladimir Putin has very much signaled that he is not interested in any kind of uh, NATO actions. He's not interested in considering what NATO might do it, with regards to Ukraine, he's just saying, you know, screw it, invade fully, right? We went from this is just a drill, right, four or five days ago to now we're invading and we're going to demilitarize Ukraine. So that's kind of a huge jump in rhetoric, and uh, Vladimir Putin has pulled out all of the stops. I don't think he has done anything this significant in a long time. This is even more 
more open uh, and more um, more dedicated than the original invasion of Ukraine, which was done with a lot of secrecy while the world didn't really care about it. But anyway, I'm digressing on that too much. As far as sanctions from the West, or what the West is going to do over the next few days, first of all, I would rule out any kind of, uh, of military action. The United States nor the rest of Europe is going to get involved in this conflict. We're just going to watch it on CNN like everybody else, um, militarily that is. So uh, we, we have done everything we possibly could as a nation at the nation level to let the world know that we are not going to uh, militarily in, intervene in Ukraine beyond, of course, the, the special dudes who are going to do what they do no matter what. Um, but as far as conventional stuff, no, we're, we're out. We're done. We're just going to watch this on TV uh, for the most part. As far as sanctions goes, um, anybody with, again, any common sense can see that sanctions are, are kind of laughable at this point. Uh, but the United Nations might give it a half-hearted effort. But again, I would not expect any kind of significant sanctions. Europe and the United Nations as a whole is far too dependent on Russia, and Russia is far too determined. Russia's determination to take Ukraine uh, outweighs the United Nations' um, give-a-damn factor, if that makes any sense. So... The United Nations has long been kind of recognized as being a useless entity other than the occasional, um, you know, political moves and things like that. But really, for the most part, sanctions-wise, we're not going to see too much. We might, we're going to, of course, see we saw the other day uh, Nord Stream 2 uh, be sort of canceled. But my guess is that Nord Stream 2 will miraculously and quietly uh, begin the process of being certified again after a few months, after things have cooled back down and Ukraine doesn't exist anymore. Um, but I guess we'll have to see on that. So, again, not too much coming from the West. Not too much is going to come from the West. We'll probably see, as we have already seen, every NATO Navy vessel is going to be on high alert uh, and checking out what the Russians are doing. Every military unit in Europe is most likely on high alert right now. But other than that, we're not really going to see too much. At least that's what we think. Moving on to the naval updates, uh, don't have too much for the North Sea. I'm going to have to come back to this one later. In the Med, similar situation other than to, again, say that pretty much every single naval vessel in Europe is on high alert right now. So, um, again, things like this kind of bring up those old school, old school uh, Cold War mentalities of, hey, look, when everybody's on alert at the same time, we have the potential, we have the potential for accidents, and accidents are very dangerous in a situation like this, right? Accidents can start things and start events into motion that spin out of control very quickly, so we have to be mindful that even though the United Nations and the NATO and the United States is, is not really going to do too much, uh, we also have to remember that everybody's on pins and needles right now, and the tiniest mistakes can have very long-lasting uh, effects. So let's get to what everybody here wants to talk about, and that is the combat actions that have taken place over the past few hours. Just a quick overview, we are seeing uh, combat uh, actions occurring along all of the fronts, including the Moldovan front. That didn't make it onto this slide, but we just got the word in that uh, explosions and, and lots of combat actions are taking place uh, in Transnistria along that front as well. So let's dive into each individual front and talk a little bit about each. On the northeastern front, a lot of the combat that has taken place over the past few hours has been uh, in the vicinity of Kharkiv. Um, we're assessing based on what open source information we can get, which is very few and far between at this point, that it looks like uh, the Russian 
uh, Russian forces were using Vladimir Putin's speech at 0400 local time to uh, conduct uh, coordinated uh, shaping fires along the entire front from Kharkiv all the way down to the eastern front as well. So we're seeing, again, Russia use pretty standard military tactics of before you roll your armor into the into a, a nation and before you begin your invasion, uh, you use your artillery, in this case Russia's rocket artillery, to uh, conduct what's called pre-shaping fires, right, or some other term that I forget, right, uh, in order to take out things like air defense, right? Air defense is very crucial if you're going to be using a lot of helicopters and, and bomber aircraft. So take out the air defense, uh, take out military targets uh, such as command and control, um, airfields that you're not planning on using later, things like that. Uh, in order to make sure that if the Ukrainian Air Force can get off the ground, they, they probably can't land again. So this is something that Russia has been doing over the past few hours, uh, and they have been using an impressive amount of artillery. The Ukrainian government has also confirmed that Russian troops have been confirmed to be on the ground across the Ukrainian border, and armored columns are advancing on the city of Kharkiv. So we'll see how this works out. Again, by the time this video goes out, Kharkiv might be in a state of uh, siege. We don't really know how this is going to work. Again, I just want to let you know that as of right now, uh, Russian forces are advancing on Kharkiv. Along the eastern front, we've seen fighting uh, taking place uh, for many days now. As you can see here, we've been building this slide out because this has been building on the eastern front at least for a couple of days now. Uh, fighting renewed uh, around 24 to 48 hours ago and really along the entire eastern front, um, combat actions were undertaken. Shelling very heavily with you know conventional uh, howitzers and things like that. Uh, a few occasional garage strike here and there. Uh, but as of right now, we're starting to see Russian forces advance on the city of Maripol. So Ukrainians have been observed to be uh, engaged in combat in Maripol. I don't know right now if it's within the city or if it's still in the outskirts of Maripol. Um, of course, the Russian pro-Russian sources are claiming that Maripol's already fallen. Don't know about that. Haven't seen anything from the Ukrainian side and probably won't. Uh, but we'll have to call that. There's also rumors right now, uh, again, I should stress rumors, that there are uh, amphibious landings occurring in Maripol. Uh, that has not been confirmed. We'll talk about the other amphibious landings that have happened. Uh, but Maripol, again, would be a, a prime target for amphibious landings. But again, misinformation is, is just really way out of control uh, from all sides on this. So it's really hard to get a beat on what's actually going on. Moving down south, the proverbial first shots of the renewed uh, Ukrainian invasion occurred at Kalanchak, specifically the Kalanchak outpost, uh, which was hit at 0404. There's a screenshot of the uh, Ukrainian uh, security cam that was online uh, that um, allegedly captured the, the opening uh, salvos of that attack. Uh, but since then, we've confirmed that Russian troops have been moving north uh, through the Crimean uh, Peninsula there. Uh, also, I should mention here on this slide, Odessa has been confirmed over the past few uh, minutes here. The Ukrainian government has confirmed that uh, the essentially the entire Ukrainian naval surface fleet uh, has been destroyed in port uh, in Odessa, and um, Russian uh, landing craft have... 
made amphibious landings uh, in the vicinity of Odessa. Uh, that's a big deal. Don't know where they, where this occurred at. Uh, we'll have to find out exactly where the landings occurred. Again, don't know which ships uh, took place in this landings. I just put all of them here on the slide to kind of get everybody in the mindset of understanding how many uh, landing craft Russia has in this sort of theater and how many could be taking place in this amphibious landing. So just to kind of give a rough idea. But again, we'll refine that once we know how many troops landed and where they landed at and what their goals are. Moving to the Western Front here in Transnistria, again, not much to, to know. Uh, there have been confirmed to be lots and lots of air defense artillery firing, lots of gunshots being heard uh, by locals in Transnistria. Don't really know what that's about. Don't know if this is an attack or uh, it's one of those things where it's a fog of war thing. People are shooting things off because they think they're under attack. I, I don't really know. Transnistria is pretty remote. Uh, even the areas where Russian troops have been known to to, to occupy it's a pretty you know low population area so um it's really hard to say exactly what's going on but my guess is by the time uh, the sun starts coming up in earnest over there we'll, we'll get a better idea as to what's going on but again there really aren't that many troops in transnistria um they're definitely well I shouldn't say definitely. There have been observed in the past to be around 5,000 Russian troops. Those estimates came down a few years ago. Um, even as of last year, some analysts were thinking it was like maybe even less than 1,000. Uh, obviously, if Russia was planning this from the very start, they probably would have funneled in a lot of troops into Transnistria if they considered that to be an inadequate front. But my guess at this stage, my gut instinct is that uh, Transnistria is really just an alternative front to keep Ukrainians busy, potentially a good site for um, air defense uh, and surface-to-air missile capability to uh, keep the Ukrainian Air Force busy. Um, that would make sense for Russia to do, but again, hard to say. This is all speculation with regards to Transnistria at this time. We'll know more in the morning, though. And finally, up north, uh, Kiev is most certainly on the menu when it comes to Russian uh, attacks here. Uh, it seems, like I mentioned before, that the idea of a minor incursion is completely off the table. Uh, we're now uh, we're now talking total invasion here. Uh, at least that's what it seems based on Vladimir Putin's own rhetoric as of the past few hours and the fact that troops, uh, Russian troops are now advancing through the Chernobyl exclusion zone. Uh, it is unclear as to if... The Chernobyl exclusion, the Chernobyl, um, you know, uh, power plant itself, uh, the historically, you know, relevant location that that is, it is unclear as to if any combat has been, you know, taken place there, um, because there are a lot of things in Chernobyl that don't really react too well to explosions and bullets, so, uh, that would be, uh, something that we're going to keep an eye on as best we can. But right now, it's it's unclear. There's been a heck of a lot of shooting up there, though, and uh, Russian forces are currently advancing through the area. Again, uh, like I mentioned, the Chernobyl exclusion zone is, is for military only right at this stage. It's an exclusion zone. You can't go up there if you're a civilian, so it's not likely we're going to have some guy, you know, with a smartphone, you know, getting us a good video for Twitter here. It's going to be military only forces, and they're going to be kind of occupied with the people that are trying to kill them, so... Uh, again, once Russian forces get a little closer to Kiev, we'll probably know exactly what's going on there. Uh, this could be everything from a full-scale uh, thing through full-scale invasion through the Chernobyl exclusion zone. This could be a probing attack. Who knows? 
I also wanted to mention on this slide uh, in Kiev, the Kiev airport, uh, there's some stuff going down there. Uh, there hasn't been any information for a while, but apparently the airport out to the east of the city uh, has had some small arms fire, uh, been heard by a lot of locals, a lot of uh, gunfire, a lot of explosions at this airport. So um, there's everything floating around. Again, speculation is everywhere, right? Uh, but a lot of people are either thinking that the airport was attacked in some way or that Russian ground troops, as in special forces soldiers who had infiltrated into Ukraine, uh, are trying to take the airport and seize it uh, as a way of keeping that airport open. Remember, Ukraine is a very large nation, right? And this is the problem that, that occurs just in the field of warfare. If one nation is trying to in invade another nation, um, the person doing the invading is not going to want to destroy everything in that country because they're going to need to use that stuff too, right? So even though we are seeing Russians uh, target military hardware and critical infrastructure, it's going to be really interesting to see what Russia chooses to keep uh, and not go full scorched earth on this thing because, again, Russia is invading Ukraine, right, for a number of reasons. One of those reasons is resources. So it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to have Kiev, a city of millions, right? A city of millions of people and have their only airport or one of their only, you know, bigger airports at least, uh, to be completely destroyed like Donetsk, right? Donetsk airport was, was, you know, a different story than the one right now. So it's something to keep in mind as we see the battle for Kiev, um, get underway here in the next few days. And before we conclude today, I briefly wanted to touch on evacuations. So, um, we're going to get a lot of questions. I know a lot of people are going to be asking about, okay, how can I egress from Ukraine? Well, uh, right now we're kind of waiting for the smoke to clear, right? It, it's very, very unlikely that Russian troops will be able to completely and totally take the entire nation of Ukraine in a day, right? It's going to take several days. Uh, but at the same time, you need to be moving with purpose if your goal is to leave Ukraine. Uh, Belarus is not an option. Belarusian, the Belarusian border is already closed. Uh, they've closed all rail, um, and the Ukrainian government itself said they were closing all uh, land borders as well. So something that's not really, uh, not really feasible. If you feel like you can make it, then go for it. But uh, most people seem to be heading west to Poland. Uh, Poland or Moldova, uh, Poland being ob the obvious choice, but Moldova being another choice as well, just due to geography. Uh, right now, uh, we're seeing a lot of reports of Russian aircraft in Ukrainian airspace. Uh, we can confirm via the um, radio networks that have picked up strategic bomber uh, communications platforms. Uh, and the the uh, basically the the comm frequencies the bombers use to get uh, strategic messages those are hot right now. So I know that's kind of gibberish to those of you who aren't intel folks, but basically this means that Russia is probably going to begin strategic bombing or launching a lot of cruise missiles uh, at places in Ukraine, most likely critical infrastructure within the next few hours, probably before this brief goes out. Uh, so again, subject to change, who really knows what's going on, but I, that's where I'd put my money. Uh, in any case, this is going to affect evacuation efforts because right now the highways are clogged. Ukrainian military vehicles are going to be stuck in the same traffic jams that all civilians are stuck in for the most part. Um, there's obviously, you know, the military is going to take priority of course, but, uh, when it comes to like traffic control and things like that, but, uh, for the most part, there aren't that many roads heading west, so 
uh, and, and the Kiev traffic is already starting to stack up. So again, it's trying to weigh, do you want to stay and wait for Russia to finish their pre-invasion bombing and striking and cruise missile launching, or do you want to risk going out in that uh, because time is of the essence and you know soldiers are coming your way? It's, it's really going to have to be a call based on people on the ground. Any average person on the ground in Ukraine is going to know more than we do right now. But one more tidbit of information I wanted to pass on, which is cyber. Uh, I would fully expect uh, the internet to go down or be complete or be spotty, uh, cellular coverage to be denied, um, and uh, things like inter- basic internet connection will most likely be very, very, very much restricted. Also, you might have trouble with GPS stuff. Uh, we do know Russian units possess the capability to jam GPS signals, so you might not even be able to rely on your GPS. Again, another lesson why having physical paper roadmaps is vital. So again, there's multiple ways that this can happen. We're talking uh, Russian like physical kinetic strikes, as in you know Russian bombs blowing up power stations can take power out. Uh, they can take cell phone towers down, things like that. Uh, you're also talking um, electronic warfare stuff. Jamming can be a can be a factor as well. And then also, just on top of that, everyone in Ukraine's on the phone right now. Everyone in Ukraine is on the internet right now, trying to figure out what's going on. So just simply, even if there wasn't any kinetic actions right now, the the sheer number of people overloading an already pretty bad communications infrastructure is going to just overwhelm the system, right? So. Please keep that in mind and please be prepared. Um, don't go somewhere. Don't leave a safe cover unless you know where you're going and how to get there and an alternative route. An alternative route if uh, you can't make it. Uh, stuff like that. Basic stuff. Um, I know that anyone there is is probably going to not exactly be relying on us to be a, a huge help. Uh, but we're going to do what we can to try to kind of at least map where Russians are at. Uh, so that we can hopefully hopefully get some civilians out of there. So that's all I have for right now, everyone. Uh, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, this is going to be a rough uh, next few days. Uh, again, uh, I would like to remind everybody that when it comes to these relatively uh, real-time updates, uh, just keep in mind that you're either getting speed or quality, but not both. So we're going to have a lot of updates Uh, with regards to our slides and the information we're presenting because things are changing so fast and the fog of war is a real problem. Uh, It's a real problem not just for us but for everybody else. So so thanks again everybody for your support and and remember to, to always keep things in perspective, right? Even though this situation does not look good, uh, it doesn't really look very positive for the future of Ukraine or or really for Europe for that matter, Um, but just try to keep things in perspective. Try to try to not let all of the things you're going to see over the next few days uh, scare you too much. But a little bit of fear right, it, it is good at motivating you to change your own ways, right? So um, if you can learn a lesson from the atrocities that we're already seeing in Ukraine, um, that will at least be something good, right? So try to do that. Try to, try to focus on the good things and uh, try to focus on the good improvements that you can make in your own life moving forward. At least that's what we're going to try to do. So thanks again, and we'll see you next time. And as always, fight in the shade.